Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It's the 2nd of February, 2017. It's like Hedgehog Day. So, uh, Dave, you'll be, you'll be happy to know I, uh, I stepped outside and uh, no shadow. No shadow at all. <laughs> uh, Groundhog Jim. No, Hedgehog Day. Screw Groundhogs. Groundhogs are filthy, filthy liars. Hedgehogs. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm happy for you. Meanwhile, here it's like I don't know, 35 degrees. So you know, I, I, I'm referring in. I'm in Fahrenheit here. It is miserable. Only for a couple more weeks. It's over. I promise. Got, <laughs> got this one. Got this one uh, handled for you. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> so interesting week. Um, difficult week. Interesting week. We have a great guest today, Raya Drysdale from Spoken Media is going to be on uh, coming up after the first break. Um, but, uh, dude, it's been 12 days since we entered the Trumplican era, and each day it's felt like this collective step downward into like this dystopic reality that's like built on ignorance, misunderstanding, and rumor. Um, <laughs> I think... Uh, it's weird being in Canada and looking at America like 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 this weekend like stunned into action the world watched as the United States fell under the cover of sweeping anti-immigration bill targeting Muslim persons from seven Middle Eastern countries none of which have any business dealings with the Trump organization and uh None of which have actually actively attacked America either. Um, hundreds of thousands of people got caught in mid-transit last weekend, detained in airports around America and around the world, not knowing their legal status. Most were held for up to 48 hours and released with nearly a 1,000 who were stopped in the U.S., sent back to their country of origin. And because of that, firms in Silicon Valley are exploring ways to move parts of their workforce out of America primarily to Canadian cities like Vancouver, Toronto, and Calgary, although uh, I'd wager most people in Silicon Valley have never actually spent the winter in Calgary. Um, hospitals, research universities, laboratories, to, you know, the cross-section of academia is looking to transfer staff overseas, large corporate businesses, banks, and again, the tech world are talking about relocating with uh, Vancouver and Toronto appearing to be the prime beneficiaries. It's crazy, I tell you, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting time. One of the but... world's oldest functioning democratic nation states. Some would, some would argue the world's most essential nation just appears to be dissolving in front of our eyes, falling apart. Um, it's institutions pitted against each other in just an awful way. And I guess what I'm really interested in is, uh, you know, are we actually going to do things? <laughs> How does this work? I mean, we, 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 we share around the world. We all work in this Internet environment. And that all routes through Crazy Town. And when, you know, <laughs> even when we had guys like Senator Ted Stevens in charge of the, 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 the science committee in the House, who was you know, actually in charge of the Internet, who completely didn't understand how the Internet worked himself, at least he wasn't, he, he, you know, he had profound ignorance of what he was in charge of, but he wasn't crazy. Oh my goodness, Dave. Um, do you see uh, Vancouver, Victoria, Toronto, you know, anywhere in Canada being beneficiaries from this? It feels weird to even say beneficiary from such a terrible uh, implementation of policy. Uh, 
Um, there will be beneficiaries um, of this on, on this side of the border. Um, interesting that you bring that up. There's an article over on TechCrunch. Um, I want to say a couple days ago, I just read it yesterday. Oh, yeah, posted yesterday. Okay, I read it on the day it came out. Um, the Silicon Valley, or Silicon Valley um, is actually planning on moving some of their foreign-born workers um, into Vancouver and, and you know, keep them in the same time zone, right? Drop them in Vancouver uh, because they have the technical infrastructure. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, there will be beneficial aspects of this for uh, for the Canadian economy and, and the Canadian sort of labor force and, uh, you know, sort of intelligentsia uh, of sorts, right? I mean, we, you know, we've got some good educated people here um, as well. Um, that, you know, if the infrastructure and the companies are, are locating themselves in Vancouver, sets new opportunities for our, um, you know, sort of high-tech brains um, that can then sort of go, oh, okay, well, here we are, and we can work for these major companies, and they've got offices in, in Vancouver. I don't need to move, um, you know, sort of south of the border, um, which to me as, as a Canadian um, is helpful for our economy. It keeps, keeps our, our brain power um, on this side of the border. Yep. <laughs> but you know what honest to goodness I'd forgo that benefit if only America could get back to being the stable rational supportive you know country of uh, beauty and innovation it used to be yeah yeah okay <laughs> we got about uh, you know I, I figure five to ten minutes before uh we got to go to break, and then we're going to be bringing on Raya Drysdale, uh, founder and CEO of, uh, of Spoken Media. What do you feel like talking about before uh, before we bring Raya? Well, a lot of things happened um, over uh, over the past week, and and some of the ones you know that I'm most interested in, and you know e- each week's a little different in in what stories you know happen, and and then which ones are interesting. Um, a lot's happened in the AdWords. Um, world that's of, of interest to me. In fact, there was there was one day when I was reading the news and it was sort of three stories hit me at once all about AdWords. Um, one of the neat things or, or neatest things, I think, for, for advertisers, and you can you can love or hate this, and there's people on both camps. Most people are, are hating it. Um, but starting, I believe, uh, believe the initial emails went out on the 12th of January, so it's a bit old, but the, the news is really just hitting now. Um, and then sort of implemented on the 26th is a seed set of AdWords advertisers, and I'm sure they're going to roll this out, um, that have been sort of subjected, um, and, and you can opt out of this, but sort of created in this user group um, of people where AdWords will now just auto-generate ads for you. Now, they'll put them in the same ad groups, basically, it, and it's only for ads targeting, um, you know, numbers of impressions or or numbers of conversions and clicks, right? So it's it's... Um, ad campaigns geared in towards some sort of conversion metric. Um, and, and AdWords itself, the, the, the machine learning behind AdWords is just building ads on the fly for them. And they're, one of the problems people are having is they're not going through the, hey, we've created this, why don't you give it a peek and, and see if you want to put it live. They're just going live. Um, and that's just part of this system is that they'll automatically just go live and then weigh themselves off. Um, you know, in the, in the traditional way relative to the other ads in that ad group and, and which one should show most often. Um, I don't know how I feel about this one. I think it's going to be a, an, an interesting thing to go forward to go, do machines do better? Um, and on the one side, I think for your high, high, high end, um, you know, sort of genius AdWords um, advertisers and genius, genius AdWords managers, this may actually be problematic in that they know exactly what they want to do and they've got a ton of experience and they can probably do better than a machine. But I think about the lower level, people just getting their feet wet, you know, businesses that can't afford to have a manager um, of their AdWords campaign and they're just kind of trying it themselves. And, you know, we all know how that goes. It, it normally doesn't go great out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to, to take that information behind the machine learning that's gathering, you know, sort of conversion metrics and, and figuring out what language is working across the entire AdWords platform and starting to turn those into ads. I think for those people, this could be a, a real, a real benefit, but you know, we'll see how that goes. Well, I mean, and looking at it from an industry perspective, um, automation comes to search marketing in the biggest of ways. 
Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're used to a good deal of automation in the industry, but this, if this, you know, the, these ad groupings, if uh, automated ads actually show a stronger return than human written ads, it will decimate the PPC industry. Well, I mean, and you bring up a good point. And then at the same time, I, I have to wonder, like as we get, say, rank brain in the organic space or, or whatnot, will it be horrible for them or will it weed out the crap? <laughs> will it weed out the, the um, AdWords managers or AdWords advertisers that really just aren't doing an awesome job? They're, they're, they're doing an okay one. Right, yeah, and, and the cheat can do okay. Of, of course it will, because the only ones who left will be the superstars. Well, exactly, and so yeah, will it help? Or you know, at the same time, you know, I, I think about and it's all throw myself under the bus here, but it, it was all in the context of the time of it. I look at myself as an SEO, like organic SEO. Um, you know, back in in two thousand four, right? I mean. Uh, it was a very different time for SEO, um, and I was not doing as <laughs> I was not deploying strategies like I would now, which I'm going to be honest are superior, right? Like just on every front, they're they're better for clients, they're better for users, they're better for everybody. Um, so, will we hit that? Will everybody? Will will those? AdWords, you know, managers who are kind of okay now and they're doing okay because they're not competing against machines up their game? Will they get better? And so will we end up with just an entirely better infrastructure um, of AdWords managers simply because uh, they, they don't have a choice? They're competing against machines that are smarter than them now, and so now they need to up their game and find the things that the machines wouldn't know, the things that only a human would know. Uh, yeah, although I think that, that that's an increasing, increasingly limited inventory of things. <laughs> what I do think is going to happen, though, is um, this will change the role of uh, people who are working in the digital marketing industry. You're no longer a PPC specialist. Um, you're no longer an SEO specialist. You're now a, a, strat a strategy specialist. Yeah, um, yeah. It's definitely going to be changing what we do. And for those of us who survive, um, it makes introducing um, sets of services so much easier as you don't actually have to specialize in any one given area, except um, you have to have like a strong working knowledge of all areas. And provided these services are automated, you just got to be a darn good salesperson. Yeah. It's, um, yeah indeed. For good or for ill, that's where it's going. That is exactly where it's going. Um, another interesting story, again, out of the AdWords space, I said, man, it happened on the same day. <laughs> so here we are. Um, on January 30th, I think I reported on um, 31st, but, or uh, you know, discussed it and, and noticed it first on the 31st. Um, but, and there's, there's two stories here. One, they announced on, on their Google um, Plus page, so we do find a, a use for Google Plus. <laughs> we know the future of it. It's Google. Um, they announced their if functions um, now being and this is really, really cool. Um, so AdWords advertisers can now use if functions in their headlines and ad copy. And, and what I mean by that, um, for our listeners who don't know, and, and I highly recommend, and I, I can't believe I'm sending somebody to a Google Plus page, but anyway, go to the Google Ads, <laughs> Google Plus page uh, for, for the full announcement and, and, and some examples of it. Um, but you can go, if the device is mobile, give this title. If the, if the user has this interest, give this title. Um, so using predefined information that the AdWords system has, you can now go, hey, if it's this, give this title, but if it's this, give this, to sort of customize your ads for what your known intent is based on their device. We can all think of some great examples. Like if I'm sitting on my desktop, um, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon, looking up, you know, travel flights, you know, to, to wherever, um, you know, chances are I'm probably sitting at work and I'm probably in a different environment and I'm probably just killing some time and, and uh, the likelihood of me, say, converting at that point might be a little bit lower, depending on, on whether I'm looking at business trips or, you know, if I'm on a vacation rental sort of site there. But um, 
you know, it, it gives you the opportunity to go, okay, now this is going on. Meanwhile, if I'm looking up the same sort of information on my mobile, I'm probably on the go. I may not convert and I'm just doing some research, right? So, but you catch me on my, in the evening on a desktop. Okay. Now I'm probably pulling my credit card out, right? And it gives you the opportunity to now customize your ad based on these sorts of factors so that you can actually start to target what is their intent and what kind of traffic do I want to get and how am I going to get them? And, and then on your site, you can go, okay, well, here's the ad. We know that they're on desktop. They're doing, you know, or we know they're on mobile. They're probably just doing research. Okay. You know, we'll, we'll customize our landing page, uh, you know, based on these sorts of factors and let them save a little easier, email that, you know, itinerary to themselves or save the itinerary uh, a little faster so that they can look it up on their desktop later and, and make that conversion. So really, really interesting um, change and, and, it's funny, I didn't think about it in advance as a feature I would love to have, but as soon as they announced it, I'm like, oh, that is great. I need to start getting into those AdWords campaigns. Absolutely. So, you know, just, again, you can mix and match. Um, well, this helps mix and match targeting by device, by uh, interest, profession, etc. If they're into it or if they're using it, you can target them, and this makes it much easier. And uh, well, we're cutting it off. We're cutting it awfully close. Anything we can talk about really quickly? I got one. I got one we can talk about really quickly. Let's go for it. Um, this kind of kind of fits when we had uh, uh, Cindy and crew on last week and talking about the mobile mobile verse. Apparently, the death of the desktop universe. The desktop is wildly over exaggerated. In fact, desktops are holding their own, especially during work hours. Yes. I, I, it wasn't that a, a great piece of information. It uh, was. Um, so the, the thing that's the bottom line to know. I mean, information's great. What are you going to do with it? Bottom line to knowing it is you still have to have uh, different types of users in mind when you're designing content and designing environments for them to be in. And remember that the same user might be accessing your information from two distinctly different environments. If we got time, I got a, a quick story about how you how the different environments can really mess you up as a marketer. This, this happened to me really recently with a currency converter. Do we, okay. uh, do we, got, do we got a few minutes before we got to go to break? So, okay, check this out. I have a, uh, a fashion client, okay? They serve mm -hmm. um, several different markets around the world. They serve everywhere, but they're focusing on like six unique markets in the world. And they have a currency converter on the website that uh, you know, will, will, will automatically convert the currency into whatever uh, uh, currency the, 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 the site user happens to be, to be accessing the website from. Mm-hmm. Because of the placement of the currency converter widget in their WordPress website, it was only converting currencies for certain pages. But when you got to checkout, it reverted back to um, the U.S. dollar, back to American currency. So you could be looking at it in, like, say, Canadian or U.K. pound or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, the euro and then mm -hmm. suddenly the price changes back to American, and you don't really see it's gone back to American. You just see the price has changed on you. So you, say, you think that the store owner was pulling a Swifty or something, right? Right. That was because of the placement of the widget, the, 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 the currency converter widget, in a, navi in a special na specialized navigation that wasn't uh, shared on the... Uh, on the uh, checkout pages of the mobile site. On the desktop site, everything worked perfectly. But on the mobile site, this one piece wasn't included. It oh. took, uh, yeah, I know, eh? It took six weeks to figure this out. Now, in our credit, we're not, we didn't design the website, and we'd never come across this issue before. Uh, and those are, aren't those the ones. And I think everybody in our listening uh, audience right now and probably Rhea when she comes on can sympathize with the frustration of hitting those scenarios. The point being, you have to know your audience and the function of the tools you're using for each of the environments. Desktop will resolve very differently than mobile. And people are going to behave differently in these environments. So you have to 
the desktop is still a um, is still a player, especially when there's a number of factors that have to be considered when making a purchase decision. Um, increasingly, people are buying off, are are purchasing directly off their mobile device, so you got to design for it too. But if you ignore the desktop, you're ignoring you know the entire B two B world. Yeah, and they're kind of important. And they're kind of important. Speaking of kind of important, we really got to take a break because we got Rega Drysdale from Outspoken Media sitting waiting for us to take a break so we can like actually talk to her live on the radio. So, friends, on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedge from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on Cranberry.fm on the 2nd of February 2017. We're back with Rega Drysdale after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Money doesn't grow on trees. So you'll probably have a better chance of growing your business with cranberries. What? Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It's the uh, 2nd of February, 2017. This is Jim Hedger from Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. <laughs> and we are joined... By uh, the one and only Raya Drysdale, co-founder of um, and chief operating officer of Outspoken Media, yep. on-page uh, optimizer, online reputation management specialist, uh, and social media guru or nothing. But um, you are working with uh, some of the larger brands in America. And Raya, welcome back to Webcology. Hi, excited to be on here. It's, it is exciting having you here. It's been uh, a couple of years since you've been on, and it's been a uh, kind of tumultuous couple of years, um, especially in the last couple of months. It's it's funny, Ray. Every time I uh, we, we we've gone to air since November eighth, I've sworn we're not going to talk about politics, and you can't help it in uh, in this environment. Um, do you mind if we start there? Well, I'd be happy to. <laughs> I mean, happy is a relative word in, the, in this context, eh? I think so. You know, I, I'm not ashamed of it. I think, uh, you know, we own a company called Outspoken Media, and um, we 
you know, I understand there should be separation. You don't want to get political, but I, like many other owners um, and CEOs at this point, feel like it's time to make our voices heard, stand for something, have clear values, ethics, morals. And um, the reason I own a company is that I can make more of a difference in the world with the company and the clients we choose to work with and the communication and values that we convey. Um, and I can work bigger than myself as an individual. So um, that company and the team that I surround myself and the clients we choose to work with allows us to make a difference in the world. So if we're not here to talk about that, then, you know, why am I doing this? So, okay. Well, I guess my first real question is, has anybody from Outspoken um, been affected by the, uh, the immigration ban? No, um, we do have uh, one person on the team um, who has a green card and is very happy. And, uh, you know, he's not impacted. He's not from uh, any of the countries in the ban. But um, uh, speaking for him, and hopefully it's okay to do so, he's from Venezuela and he's seen what happened there. And so for him, he's been watching and going, wow, you know, it, it, all these things are starting to fall into place in a way that, they happened in Venezuela, and he doesn't want to live through that again. Um, he's very happy here, and he'd like to stay here. But there's uh, real and real fear there. So, what can um, what can small businesses do as uh, means of? Well, I don't don't want to say resistance, but just you know, <coughs> operating in a consciously good with consciously good conscience. Um, are you operating any differently because of the uh, political environment? Um, yeah, we're having. We were already kind of at a point where we were trying to figure out where is outspoken media going. Um, I think on a, a brand level, we've got some uh, issues going on with our name and what it means, and is that the right name for us anymore? Um, and from a brand architecture standpoint, does it make sense to split into two entities or something? So we've already kind of been at this period of trying to identify who we are, who we serve, how, what our message is, and we're going through all this deep internal work as a company. But then on top of that, you layer in the election and suddenly it, it kind of makes all of us question what we're doing and why we're doing it and are we happy doing it? And if we're not, then how do we change? And a big part of that as a company has been the conversation about um, the clients that we take on, who we work with, um, can we or should we be selective? Do we believe in that? Um, and we've always tried to work with organizations that are sustainable. We're working to become a B corporation ourselves. Um, there's a lot that we value in um, having a responsible environmental policy um, and being sustainable and green and conscious. Uh, and then we're huge um, advocates for the community and trying to give back and do what you can. So uh, we want to really work with folks, especially when we do reputation marketing. Um, it's important that we work with folks that we believe in, especially because it's such a creative process and we're having to hop into your brand and your voice and your message. And if we can't really relate to that and understand it and passionately throw ourselves into it, it's very limiting and we can't do great work. Um, a few sentences back, you said that even before the election, you were getting to a point where you were wondering if the the, the name Outspoken Media still represented uh, your company and 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 I guess you know your company's relationship with its clients. What brings you to the point where you need to ask a question like that? Sure, I think. Um a uh, couple of things. If I get into the nitty gritty, I, I went to um, an, a, an incredible class at Dartmouth um, down and it was a, a class that was off the campus and it was hosted in Manhattan. Um, Dartmouth has this uh, tax continuing education program for um, professionals and executives. And it was a two and a half day class with the leading top minds and reputation and brand. Um, and it was just incredible. I got to be in this room with all these people who are VPs and top execs of uh, communications, public affairs, uh, and marketing departments, some of the biggest brands in the world. And there I was, this kind of uh, scrappy kid from an agency sitting in this room with everyone. And 
on the last day, they do this exercise where um, they break into groups and everyone has to talk about a problem you're facing. And then you have uh, one problem selected from that group to go present to the entire team. And everyone then works to solve your problem. And they chose outspoken. And uh, they really liked our problem, which was who are we and, and what are we doing? I think because we were small and it was a lot easier to tackle our problem than a Fortune 100. But um, really everyone in the room said, well, outspoken media, what does that mean? What does that do? Do you do media work? Do you, you know, make video? What, do you, what is it that you do? And while we may have recognition within this little SEO space, we certainly have uh, a brand issue for anyone um, at a different level and in a different industry uh, who's going to have an immediate impression of what outspoken media means just by hearing it with no context. And we don't do video production. We do video consulting. We do um, work on video strategy, but it's very, very small. Um, we do work with a lot of news clients, though, and I think that's what we're moving more towards. So. A a wonderful thing about about spoken and 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 perhaps perhaps you as a business leader. Um, you're based in Troy, New York. Troy isn't the Troy isn't a large town. Troy is you know hardly a Manhattan. Certainly not Los Angeles or Chicago. <laughs> but you've managed to you know grow your business. You again represent some uh, some completely enviable brands. You've managed to grow your business and find um, dedicated talent in a place I don't think most people would think to to look to start a business or again even look for that talent. What, what kind of challenges were there? Um, yeah, I think I'm like a weed, right? Like I just get thrown somewhere and I put down roots. So um, I'm a Navy brat, and so I'm used to traveling all around. And I've lived in Italy, I've lived in Chicago, I've lived in the deep south, and so um, I think. I've, Somehow we found ourselves here, and that was because we used to work with another agency in town, and it's a very strange little community because there are a lot of SEOs per capita uh, compared to a lot of other locations because the Capital District of New York does have um, some really great agencies in the space, um, and one in particular, Internet Marketing Ninjas, Jim Boykin, who has really just grown this massive community of mm -hmm. builders and marketers. So, right. Um, so he brought us in town and, and we decided it wasn't the right fit, but uh, I stayed here with my former partner and built up the company. And what I like about it is that there's uh, a great quality of life and it's a lot cheaper than anywhere else. Um, there is so much in terms of potential with this city. It is growing. Um, the amount of residents are, a lot less than what it was at the turn of the 19th century. Wait, 20th century, right? Mm -hmm. So Troy was the most happening place in the country in 1905. <laughs> <So> <laughs> we were awesome. Um, so there's a lot of old factories that are worn down, and it's got this cool vibe. Like when you step into Troy, um, everyone who comes here walks around, and they're like, wow, this is really cool. And you're two and a half hours from the mountains, you're two and a half hours from Boston, you're two and a half hours from the city, you can go in every direction and hit something amazing. And um, so for us, it works. And we're able to meet clients in Boston, meet clients in Rochester, meet clients in Manhattan, travel to Seattle and Texas if we need to. But for us, we get to be in a wonderful place where we can also go apple cider donut, um, you know, apple cider get to apple cider donuts on the weekend and pick apples with the kids and stuff. So I think Troy is amazing. There's also a ton of universities here and we've also got RPI up the hill and a lot of people don't know about RPI, but it's an incredible technical college um, that has uh, this amazing master's program that really focuses on data. And we've been able to um, talk to a couple people up there and there's some really exciting talent coming out of this area from RPI and other universities as well. People that know how to manipulate and work with big sets of data and analytics. And, um, we need folks like that. What's Outspoken's headcount now, more, more or less? So as of yesterday, it is at 10. Okay. And, uh, where do you think you've been? You've been on this process of growing the company and sort of redefining um, what outspoken media is. Where do you do you know where it's going yet? Do you have have, have you have you settled on a direction? 
Um, yeah. So uh, we started this idea of reputation marketing a while back because everyone knows of me as reputation management. I think that a lot of other SEOs out there like to uh, say, go to RIA for reputation management because it's what I talk about. And um, also they're just defensive of having another SEO to compete with. So they keep calling me the reputation management girl. Um, <laughs> So to be truthful, it's always been a small percent of our business. The majority of what we do is SEO, very good SEO. And uh, um, on the SEO front, a lot of what we run up against is, okay, how do we, you know, of course, position you in a certain way in search, but that leads to much bigger questions we discovered with our clients where we're getting into, um, what do we say? How do we say it? Who are you? Um, uh, how do we differentiate content, create something incredible, create something useful? And we started finding that we were having conversations that were no longer about SEO or vendor services. It was very much consultative. It was very executive level. Um, it was a lot more like working with um, a brand agency, but we're just technical SEO geeks. And in the, the right, like, why should they pay attention to us? Um, and what we found is that we're the keepers of incredible data. As SEOs, we have access to so much information about human behavior and how humans want to engage with your brand or not online um, and where the future of technology is going. And a lot of other departments and organizations, especially enterprise ones, don't have a lot of access to that information or communications kind of keeps a certain amount over here. And then SEO reports to someone else on a different team and it just becomes very strange and muddled and when they found that we had all this information they got excited and that information started to inform not just digital and seo and content but it also started to inform customer service or the product itself um, or interesting innovation and so long story short i got really tired of doing reputation management because that's just coming in and helping someone fix their problem which they may or may not be remorseful about hmm. um, and what I realized, right, like most of the time they're like, just make that go away. Um, we can make it go away, but do I want to make it go away? Do you deserve to have it go away? Uh, and we often were not getting contacted by people who aligned with us. So I don't necessarily want to work with a lot of the brands that contact us. Um, and so we turn away a lot of work. And what we said is, well, what, do, what is this thing that we're doing as an SEO that's much bigger than an SEO? And what I realized is there's this whole other side of reputation management, which is reputation marketing. And that is not just management of your reviews on Yelp. That is literally when your reputation is so good, it precedes you and it markets itself. And that's a really exciting, interesting new concept that we're just starting to work on and just starting to produce content around. And there's going to be some really awesome work coming out of our team that will do analysis into different brands and how they're doing but we've been able to track across different constituency groups, your employees, your you know, um, shareholders, your community, um, your customers, of course, uh, the media. How do each one of these groups view you if we look at the actual data, the numbers, the brand associations? And then how do we help them uh, have a better view of you because you change something on your side? And then watch that make everything else better. Watch your SEO improve. Watch your content improve. Watch you get more backlinks, et cetera. Um, and at that point, SEO is kind of an afterthought, but it, of course, there's a lot more to it on the technical side. But um, anyways, reputation marketing, that's where we are. That's where we live. We still do a ton of SEO work. It's always like the entry point to the reputation marketing conversation because no one still knows what that is yet. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm going to ask you a leading question that I've been sort of dying to, to ask since finding out, I don't know, like 24 hours ago. Uh and you talked a little bit earlier in the conversation about, about analytics. And, of course, now we're talking about reputation marketing. And, and now you need to prove the benefits of that. So that's going to talk about analytics. And then when Jim asked you what your head count is, you said as of yesterday. Why is that important? Why did you specify as of yesterday? Uh, we had a new hire yesterday. So um, we Well, we had three new hires in the last two weeks. So we had our first ever intern. Um, we hired Annie, uh, Annie Cushing from Analytics. Nice. So she is now our chief data officer, and we also hired a data analyst. Um, so we now officially have a, an actual analytics team, um, which I think we've done a poor job on our end of communicating our value to clients and really being able to build out a 
amazing dashboards and things. So we're excited. Annie's excited. She's got a developer. She's got a designer at her hand. She's got an analyst that she can work with. And we're just going to build out awesome stuff for people. That's wonderful. I read that I read that uh, Annie Cushing was was on your team a couple of days ago. Um, I, I, I it's that's one of those. If it was a different time, it would have been a massive, huge announcement that everybody would have been talking about. <laughs> um, but congratulations to you and to Annie. Thank you. We're excited, and I know. I, I think like Trump probably sneezed or something, and the world lost their mind. <laughs> Uh, and again, um, that may well have been the lead lead subject of the show had it been another day. Um, Ray, can we get you to stick around for a few minutes? we got to take a break here on Webcology. Absolutely. Um, okay, friends, so you're listening to Webcology on Cranberry.fm. It's the 2nd of February, 2017. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. We're joined by, uh, we're joined by Ray Adrysdale from Spoken Media, and we're back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjorge, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjorgeDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Cranberry Radio, online anytime at cranberry.fm. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It's the 2nd of February 2017 and Dave and I are joined by Rhea Drysdale from Outspoken Media. Um, Rhea, before going to break, we were talking about um, you know new additions to your team, uh, headcount, changes in, in your business. Um it's been a time of enormous change uh, for for SEOs and for for uh, so g- digital marketers in general. Um, we've seen uh, some some major shifts in Google's algorithm. Uh, the, the 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 Penguin update finally happened in the autumn, um, and we've seen major shifts in the roles of individuals in the search marketing community. Um, you are a veteran um, who has had an uncanny ability to sort of see where the future is coming next. And uh, 
How do you see? I'm, I'm curious. How do you see the composition of the industry, say, four or five years from now? Hmm. Um, good question. So, uh, it's been really interesting to see the specialization of a lot of roles, right? Like you're getting um, a lot more folks that get highly specialized in one area or another. So you'll have someone that's really just super deep in analytics, someone else that's super deep in mobile, someone that's, um, uh, you know, there's just all these different individual roles, a a link builder, um, which is kind of an odd word today, I think. still exists, still lots of link building occurring, but not in the way that we traditionally think of it, more like outreach or digital PR. So it's been interesting, and I think we're going to continue to see that as roles um, expand. And I think that there's been this flock of a lot of people in-house because you can get a lot more accomplished in-house. I think brands are starting to, not starting, I think brands have now, for the most part, fully embraced and understand SEO. Um, Many brands still are saying, we really haven't done enough with it and we need to, we know that, um, others are saying, yeah, yeah, we get it. We've got everything set up and we just need this one very specific piece. So I think that you're going to continue to have specialization. You're going to continue to have a lot of in-house, um, SEO type positions and expansion of that role, um, in digital and audience departments. Um, and, on the agency side, I see more struggle before it gets better. Um, what I mean is that there is an interesting study, and I, I post, share this statistic on stage at MozCon this year, but um, I cannot remember the study. Uh, I'll grab it later on but uh, and put it on Twitter. There's a study that was done with um, thousands of different agency employees, and they discovered that only 7% of agency employees felt like they were actually exceeding the expectations of their clients. Really? and Oh yeah. Which, right? Like that statistic, I hear it. And as an agency owner, I I am shocked and worried. Um, and I've felt it as an agency owner. It's easy to every day feel like you're struggling with all these problems and, oh my goodness, how am I ever going to solve them? And maybe I just, I'm terrible and I should just quit this job. And then you go talk to another agency owner and they're like, oh no, we struggle with all those problems too. Um, and nothing that we're struggling with is really unique. And the struggle is is how do we stay in front of something that's changing so much where what we are doing as owners and usually owners who have that veteran experience in doing the job. So we know how to do the job as well as a lot of the people on our team. Um, how do we translate that passion and excitement for this kind of change, change that is now happening with such force and, and so many updates that you can't even name them or keep track of them anymore how do we translate to that to our teams and empower them when they don't have the same experience? They're probably absolutely fried when it comes to um, information fatigue, learning anxiety, um, those types of struggles that we have as humans and individuals. Um, so I think that there's going to be this shift where a lot of people end up going in-house because then they get a lot more hands-on education. They're able to actually get into the data and understand it and explore it, whereas agency, there's just not the room or the time. And I think that for a while, you're going to see consolidation of agencies, um, bigger agency absorbing smaller uh, to get that expertise because they can't train it. Um, And you're also going to get, again, more people going in-house. You're going to have a lot more people that decide um, they just want to be solo entrepreneurs or consultants and they're hired guns. Um, And it's going to continue for a while until we figure out whether or not this is a field that um, is still even a field in a couple of years um, with the introduction of AI and other things. I'm curious about that, especially as we go more mobile and as we have home assistants and all these other crazy, amazing pieces of technology that are starting to pop up. So. Now, you, you brought up um, your, your session at MozCon, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there with an interesting sort of tidbit you brought us I want to ask you about now. Um, You'd posted up a, a quadrant in your in your slideshow there, and it had sort of the the brand matters at the top, and the brand matters less um, towards the bottom. Reputation matters matters less on the left, and reputation manage, uh, matters more on on the right. So we had a, a, a breakup of different companies. Be it Charlie Sheen, who you had on the <laughs> reputation doesn't matter, and brand does matter, um, down to like Pabst Blue Ribbon, right, where brand matters. Um, and reputation matters, or brand matters less, but reputation matters more. 
what is this quadrant? How does it help a marketer understand their placement and what do they do with that information? Yeah, so um, it, it's kind of an interesting exercise where I was thinking about reputation and, and how do we map it? How do I explain this to people? Um, and we all have a reputation. And the point is that sometimes you can get away with having, um, like in the case of Charlie Sheen, you can have an absolutely terrible reputation and still be successful. <laughs> so. <laughs> You just own it. Um, and uh, the reputation is really just an understanding of an expectation and whether or not you've met or exceeded that. And if someone has an expectation that you're going to be um, Charlie Sheen level crazy and um, just own it, then you're not really negatively hurting your reputation because that's what you're known for. Um, and in the case of brands, same thing. If you're very clear about what you're trying to achieve um, with your reputation and you just continually work to either meet or exceed that, then um, your reputation will grow and grow and grow. And in the case of some organizations that are heavily regulated, so I think in the bottom left where brand and reputation don't matter, you have organizations that are um, often in um, monopolies, right? Like your uh, utility provider or something like that. Um, their reputation is often terrible. They have a lot of customer service complaints. Um, it is what it is. No one wants to have to talk to um, a utility provider or uh, I think I had Monsanto down there. Yeah. Like, right. You know, um, your healthcare insurance is usually uh, something that is whatever your company gives you or Affordable Care Act here in the States. So the point is, is that in those cases, it doesn't take much to make people really excited because they already have an expectation that you're going to be at the base level of terrible. Um, <laughs> so if you can surprise them by actually caring, by allowing them to connect with a human, by following up on their concern, um, then your reputation can be just amazing. And that can help a lot with marketing. Um, and on the branding side, right? Like your brand there are so many different ways that you can work with a brand and, and be known. Um, and in some places like, uh, I put Wegmans and PBR on there as a low brand because a lot of people really didn't necessarily know either of them, but there was this interesting word of mouth guerrilla marketing reputation thing happening where Wegmans is a supermarket up here in the Northeast. I have never been to a Wegmans. I don't know what it is. I've never like really been in it, but I apparently, because of all my friends know that it is the most amazing magical place on earth. So <laughs> it's so, reputation precedes it. Yeah. So I, I know we only have like a, a minute left, but okay. if you were a, a, in an industry where brand matters and reputation matters, like you're up against, and to use one of your examples, like Disney or Starbucks, like both of these things really matter. What do you do? Um, so in those cases, it's you got to be exceptional, right? You have to have something unique about you. You have to absolutely own and tighten that brand. You have to um, be so clear about your voice, your tone, um, how it's used, when it's used. And then on the reputation side, you have to continually present an experience for the customer and everyone else, your employees, um, your shareholders, everyone. That experience has to be exceptional, uh, if you are going to possibly start to disrupt that space. Okay. On that, I'm afraid we have to be out. We're done. We're out of time. Rhea Drysdale, thank you so much for spending uh, spending this time with us on Webcology today. Sure. Thank you guys for having me. You know, it sounds trite, but we got to have you back in again because we could talk for hours. I know. I talk a lot. I'm sorry. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Uh, Rhea, thank you so much for being here. Friends, we're about to get played out. So on behalf of Dave Davies from Beatstock Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedges from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on the 2nd of February, 2017. Stick around Cranberry.fm. Amazing content coming up after the news. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. 